Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of February 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's hundreds and hundreds of audios for free downloads and lots of books mentioned, uh, very important books really, to show you how this big system operates and how it's always operated above what we think of as democracy or national governments, etc. And how powerful men over a hundred years ago got together and decided basically to take the world over and, and run it by the bankers and the economists in a, a new technocratic fashion. Uh, with intelligentsia down below, academias all on board and so on. And eventually they devise a system where energy units, in fact, would be uh, basically billed to every person alive on the planet, except for themselves, of course. And part of it, too, is to take over all the resources of the planet as well. And there's different ways to take over the resources. You can do it through world, world uh, wildlife projects and United Nations projects, biospheres, and give yourself permission, of course, to be the only ones to go in there and mine, stuff like that. So they've been awfully successful. The major media doesn't talk about this, of course, because they're all owned by the Council on Foreign Relations uh, members. And so their job is not to tell you what's really behind it. They give you partial news. And that gives us a very uh, incomplete picture of how reality truly is. That's the intention of it. So hopefully, help yourself to the audios, and hopefully you'll, you'll understand much, much more of the big players, that foundations, organizations all work together towards what they call this greening uh, planet, this new greening uh, and transformation of society. You can help me go too by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal check or send cash, or, or you can get an international postal money order from the post office. Uh, you can use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal and straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. And as I say, it's a big shock to a lot of people. Some people never get through the shock part of it. They can't go all the way through. And they get stuck somewhere thinking uh, that things are just happening by the day and bad people are taking over something that used to be clean and pristine and nice, something called government and democracy. And uh, and others do manage to get through. Uh, and even then, it's a, it's a tremendous shock when you come out the other side and say, my God, nothing, nothing that I've really accepted up until now is actually really what it is or what it seems to be. And, and that's how meticulous the system is. It's, it's been here for a long time. Uh, foundations with thousands of think tanks run all work, all work together on specialized projects across the whole planet at the same time, never ending. And they have next year's projects uh, all sitting in the, in the wings. Uh, they've got projects up to the year 2050 and beyond. And we think, of course, we're just evolving willy-nilly through crisis after crisis that comes out of nowhere. Nothing is further from the truth. Nothing is further from the truth. The very culture you have during your particular generation is given to you as well. And even then, for those who are awake, you see it being altered and changed to suit the next part of the agenda. 
we have political correctness through everything now, where you must uh, say this or say that or not say anything at all. There's no contrary opinions allowed in this sort of liberal society. They're the most, uh, basically the most censored, uh, censoring group there could possibly be under the guise of liberalism. And then they tell you what you must say and think and do. They stand no opposition to their agenda. And that's how the world's run. It's run by great mind games. It's run by psychology. Uh, neuroscientists are big into this now. Of course, this is the big field for the whole planet. Uh, employed by big corporations and governments uh, all over the place. So they must train us to get ready for the next stage and the next stage and the next stage. Now, austerity is nothing new. The word austerity, they were talking about this in the 1970s at the Club of Rome, how to bring in austere societies, where all the cash that you used to earn wouldn't go to buying uh, things that you want, but rather going to pay fines, uh, fees for energy, and, uh, and the, of course, the cost of living was to go up until you could barely afford food. We're coming up to that point now. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. And just talking about the reality of this world, not the the, the general, but I, I do generally is to go through the media and, and fill in the blanks that they're not telling you about. See, if they don't do that, you think you're just evolving through uh, little mishaps and crisis and, and so on. Uh, they don't tell you that here's the other side of the story and this part of this plan was planned 50 years ago and, and things like this. That's what you have to do, and that's why you have to read all these old, dusty books, because without that, you're really lost. All you're doing is reacting and getting angry at saying, my God, look what they're doing to us now. And and, uh, and that's what most people, unfortunately, do. And, and yelling about it or giving yourself an ulcer isn't going to change it. Action changes things. And um, where it will ever happen, I don't know. I don't know. Unfortunately, most of the organized uh, opposition to all of this, I mean, the organized opposition are the far left who've always been working with the big banks and want the same goals of, of sustainability, greening and all the rest of it. So really, there's no, no difference at all. And it shouldn't surprise us since basically the big bankers have been funding communist parties for their inception. But we find at the moment, as there's a mad scramble across the world where even the big, big players are getting off their, their duffs, so to speak, and getting out into the world to grab up more and more resources. It's a big, big time for them all. It's almost the final grab for what's left, you know, and because this is going to be like this for a 100 years. Whoever owns them now will own them in a 100 years' time. And one big corporation is into mining it's called Rio Tinto. I've mentioned them before. Uh, they're all across the world, and they're heavily into Australia too. But uh, this, this group came out with the, the really high tech. It's, almost, it's like futuristic sci-fi, uh, where they have, I think, 200 trucks now working on sites over in Australia. They have no drivers, driverless trucks. And they're doing the same thing with with, with trains now to take ore out as well. But this article here says Rio Tinto. And by the way, it was owned by Rothschild and the Queen. You know, in partnership. Rio Tinto ramps up automation efforts, it says. It says, um, 
they're, they're working on ways of improving rates of ore recovery from mature and complex deposits. The giant miner will also spend uh, $518 million on driverless trains and initiate a second tunnel boring trial. They're going way deep under the earth now with these special tunnel borers, something like Rand was using years ago. Uh, they could go through any kind of rock and basically form a tunnel behind it that was all fused together. So as, a, as, as part of its mineral recovery program, Rio Tinto is taking a cue from non-mining industries by forging a new partnership with Tomra, T-O-M-R-A, a leading global supplier of automated sensor-based systems using recycling and food processing. The partnership with the Norwegian company is aimed at developing commercial-scale systems for separating minerals from rock waste, and the work will include scaling up Rio Tinto's iron ore and copper sorting technologies, which extract saleable ore from waste rock to sort up to 1,000 tonnes of rock per hour. It says uh, they're also partnering with UK-based E2V to develop machines to improve the efficiency of mineral recovery from previously discarded ore. The machinery uses large-scale microwave and radio frequency generators to separate all these different minerals. So the way we scale up is mineral recovery technology such as copper new wave, which is expected to be trialed later this year in uh, Kennecott, Utah, Uke Copper in the United States. But when you scroll down and you see what they're into, it's just, just everything across the whole darn planet. And these new deep, deep uh, underground uh, shafts that they're boring with machines is, is really something else. It's very, very futuristic. And they're grabbing as much as they can across the planet because minerals and so on, for whatever they've got planned, is going to be highly important. They're into gold, everything, you name it, that they're into it. And they're grabbing up lots and lots and lots of it. So these big corporations have so much power. I don't think you could ever jail one of these guys at the top, even uh, even when they're caught guilty of something like Rothschild taking over the most important person in the EU parliament, basically, who was put back to Britain to be a, a lord there, Mandelson. He took him over to Russia uh, on, on business, it was. And the position that, that uh, Mandelson had was basically so high and important that he could, sh- could stop anybody else from competing with them if Rothschild took over the aluminum mines across parts of Russia. It's all rigged. And he was found guilty on that, but nothing will happen because he'll, he'll appeal it and they've got so much power. That's where we really are in so-called democracy. Uh, you know, I really get ticked off with this nonsense about equality. I've never seen it. I've never seen equality in a lifetime. I'm not, I'm not the first person in a generation to see this either. There's, there's no such thing, as you well know, as equality. And um, what gets me too is, is I watched a little documentary from Britain about the riots last summer. Isn't it amazing, a few years before it, I'm reading uh, that there'd be uh, these riots coming uh, from the Department of Defense. They just knew they were coming, you see. Flash mobs, they said, they would riot and loot and stuff. And bingo, it happens. And obviously, something sparked it off. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was a trial sparked off by the big boys themselves who run England uh, just to see what would happen and gets kind of used to it as well. But it says here that uh, some 2,710 people had appeared before the courts by the start of last month following last summer's riots. And uh, it says almost 1,000 people have been jailed for an average of more than a year following the riots. 
Some 2,710 people had appeared before courts by the start last month. And it says, uh, following the looting and violence which spread across English cities last August, the Ministry of Justice said, or Justice, I guess it said, the total of 945 of the 1,483 found guilty and sentenced for their role in the riots were jailed immediately with an average sentence of 14.2 months. So they're letting everyone know that this is the price you pay. But by mind you, too, of also the articles here, where they've now got the special air service in. This is your special forces in training with police for in case there's riots this year. Special forces have one job to do, and that's slaughter whoever is pointed out to them to be the enemy. That's what they do. They're not policemen. But uh, as I say, the Department of Defense just happened, you know, the good crystal ball I've got, they managed to predict that uh, a few years before all this happened. And I read it on the air here. So I'm sure they sparked a lot of this stuff off. What was interesting in the documentary is that some, uh, some people who were first-year students at university, uh, and I must say I, I was really shocked how immature everybody seemed to be in the documentary, incredibly immature. Something's happened to the people, folks. It really has happened. And one young guy says, he says, oh yeah, this was, this was to be the beginning of, of, uh, of the big push. I says, you know, and the interviewer says, well, what are you talking about? You know, uh, it's redistribution of the wealth, the guy says. They're, here they are plundering and looting the shops where their mums and their dads working, <laughs> burning them in the ground, you know. And this is supposed to be a Marxist uprising to, to quite a lot of them. Maybe that's what's put out on on the, on, the, on their Twitters and so on, and texting. Maybe that's what was put out to get them all going. But, but the thing that the interviewer never said was, okay, you, you've burned down the stores, you've looted the stores, uh, and it's to be a Marxist. Well, now what? Huh? Yeah. There's nothing to eat. You've, there's no food left in the stores, and you've burned them down. There's nothing left till till now what? You understand that they actually think they're, they're doing something which is called Marxist. It's just, it's beyond immaturity. Something's wrong with the minds of a lot of these people today. And, and of course, something is wrong. They've had more inoculations than any previous generation. They've, they've eaten nothing but poisoned food since they were born. And you're seeing the effects of it now in, 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 in the way that they talk and try to think. They struggle to think. And they give you little, little, it's almost like text messages when, when they open their mouths, bits and pieces. They don't answer anything. Something is definitely wrong with the people. No doubt about it. But I'll put these links up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, now, there's so many councils on international policy and security and national security, international security, regional security, you would not believe it. Every country has them now. And it bypasses all parliaments and congresses. You never hear about them, but they get laws just rammed right through. And this one's from National Security Member Committee for a Pacific Council, the Pacific Council on International Policy. And then it says National Security Member Committee. And they met on last year, on March the 10th, 2011, 40 Pacific Council members visited, visited the Simi Valley campus of Aero Environment Inc. It says AV. And it says it's, um, it's just an acknowledged leader in a small unmanned aerial system uh, company. So this whole article here is about the next phase of 
uh, drones to be let loose within the United States, you know, the miniaturized nano hummingbirds and all these kind of things, which are being let loose upon the public. They're doing the same in Australia, by the way, uh, under the guise of journalism. Yeah, it won't be security. We'll be able to watch things in the streets, see what happens under journalism. And, of course, the cops are all tied into it. Anyway, this one in the Pacific Bunch says, these leaders discussed the company's um, decision to go public in 2007. That's when the first group went out. The company's current business strategy and how the company nurtures a climate of innovation. And they've got all the big universities in on it, two Loyola Law School professors and so on, and MIT, and all the usual ones, uh, CIA contractor uh, Raymond Davis, etc., uh, etc., et and so stuff is to be used abroad and at home. And um, it's got a lot of links to it. The, the next generation of unmanned spy planes, um, eyes in the sky, Pentagon testing spy planes, and the CIA guy's testimony before the U.S. Congress. And I'll put that link up as well for those who want to peruse it and see what's coming down the pike. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix. I'm also going to put up some PDFs tonight for those who want to go into more reading. Uh, we read so much, don't we? But nothing changes. The only difference is we know what's happening there, and that's all. But uh, nothing changes. But uh, one article, two on PDF is uh, from the Green Economy in a Blue World, it's called. And it's from the United Nations uh, Environment uh, uh, Body, uh, UNEP it's called, program they call it, United Nations Environment Program. And it's got all pretty pictures, all have lovely pretty pictures of the big windmills I've got and stuff and the sea there and it looks so nice and quiet unless you were standing next to them. And um, ships full, filled with these big cargo vessels going off to China to get more stuff to bring back here. And, and all the stuff they've helped bring in, you see. But they go through in this particular article, many of its missions, as they call them. And, of course, first and foremost is the Food and Agricultural Organization. Now, food's always been used as a weapon by withdrawing it and stopping people from growing it. And, of course, they've actually said that in the United Nations, too. It's always been used as a weapon down through history. It certainly has been. And... Um, and of course what the United Nations does everywhere it goes in uh, to the countries with the IMF and, and the World Bank and all the rest of them is to ensure that the public, uh, the people in other countries start intensive farming using chemicals and then they force on them the, GA, uh, the, gen- the genetically engineered uh, seed and uh, then you're stuck with it and you're stuck also with eating poisons from then on and then it contaminates the groundwater too as it has in India which is a lot of the farms now, the big conglomerates are owned there by Rothschilds as well and um, they make a mess of it all. They make people become dependent on buying uh, the seed every year, and they're dependent then on buying all the chemicals that work only with, with supposedly that brand of seed. And then this International Maritime Organization, IMO, very interesting too because it was in the, all the different treaties that they've signed with every country. It says, IMO is the United Nations Specialized Agency with responsibility for the safety and security of shipping and the prevention of marine pollution by ships. International shipping uh, is the carrier of world trade, transportation, around 90% of global commerce. 
uh, being an international industry shipping, uh, it needs a global regulatory framework in which to operate. So the United Nations has put themselves in there as the guys who are going to operate it all. IMO, with its 170 member states, provides this framework and has adopted 52 treaties. 52 treaties every country signed with them, regulating virtually every technical aspect of ship design and operation, uh, the most important of which concerns the safety of life at sea, yes, sure, and protection of the environment. So it goes on and on and on, and it goes into uh, the Department of Economic and Social Affairs, the UICN Global Marine Program, which started back in 1948, believe it or not. The World Conservation Union brings together states, governments, uh, agencies, and a diverse range of non-governmental organizations in a unique world partnership with over 1,000 members in all, spread across some 140 countries. So these guys are into everything, everything, and they've been there for an awful long time, awful, awful long time. Every law pretty well every country passes uh, that, that isn't mentioned in the mainstream. Uh, it comes from the United Nations, right down to your septic tank, or can you have a an animal, a goat feeding on your land, or any, anything like that. It all comes from them. Your building codes all come from them too, haven't done for a long, long time. Uh, so this is quite an important um, site to go into, and I'll put that up tonight as well. Just to show you that the United Nations is not there to to go in and hand out candy bars to children who are starving, which it doesn't do anyway. And I was going through the article I put up before, and it was a Council on Foreign Relations article uh, from Foreign Affairs. It's, it's the article they mentioned back in the 70s when it was called Hard Road to World Order, where they talked about bypassing constitutions of the countries, especially that of the United States. It says that they wouldn't hit it head on. They did basically ignore it and build round about it like a cage. Uh, and uh, that's what they've done. Uh, but I was looking down it and... Um, Members has done about 70, 1975, I think that article came out, but there are global plans for a world order. And it says that, scroll down, it says that the non-communist nations are embarked on a long-term negotiation for the reform of the international monetary system. Just keep in mind what's happening today. This was, this was in the 70s. The non-communist nations, that's the so-called capitalist nations, uh, are negotiating then for a reform of the international monetary system aimed at developing a new system of reserves and settlements, that's the Bank of International Settlements, to replace the dollar standard and at improving the balance of payment adjustment process. The accomplishment of these objectives would almost surely require a revitalization of the international monetary fund that's happening now which would have unprecedented powers that's happening now because of all the euro collapses to create new international reserves and to influence national decisions on exchange rates that's what they're doing now and on domestic monetary and fiscal policies such as a strengthened IMF might be given power to back its decisions by meaningful multilateral sanctions that's what they're putting through now such as uniform surcharges on the exports of uncooperative surplus countries and the withholding of multilateral and bilateral credits, uh, which they're doing now, and reserve facilities from recalcitrant deficit countries. That's what they're doing with Greece and Italy and all these countries now. They wrote about it way back then, that that's where the IMF would be brought up to its full power, you see. And you think you're living day by day and things just happen? 
Waiting 40 years is nothing for these boys on any aspect of their agenda. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Another article tonight too, a PDF, is the future of energy and the interconnected challenges of the 21st century by the Club of Rome. That was their meeting last October in Basel, Switzerland. And again, they've got nice pictures at the top and little stick drawings. They always have these little stick drawings and stuff. It looks like big bottle skyscrapers made out of bottles or something. And... Uh, Little windmills made of wood, little planks of wood in the top, and this is the kind of stick drawings it gives you for the wonderful little plans and stuff. But anyway, it's uh, it's very interesting. Art, art, article goes through so many things that they're into. Remember, they're they're the premier think tank for the United Nations and the big agenda. So they came up with the almost impossible goals. It's, they don't care how it's done. They came up with the ideas like a writer. And then it's given out to the lesser think tanks, and there's thousands of them, to actually work it through the media, through magazines, through education, through academia, into reality. And um, they've got all the different buzz terms they're going to use for the future, like the, the new technology, everything's new, uh, the new society, etc., etc. And they want, to, again, as to bring us down into a green economy, uh, and no burning of what they call fossil fuels, although really the fuels that you burn all come from from dead uh, vegetation matter uh, that goes down deep into the earth. It certainly wasn't dinosaurs. I mean, there must have been you know, a thousand deep, these dinosaurs, to give us all the oil, which is nonsense. But anyway, they, they, they changed that. And you see what the guys, too, came up with the idea of calling it fossil fuel and, and changing it to dinosaurs to make you think it was a scarce resource. And they're finding more oil than ever across the whole planet. And the big boys are certainly grabbing it. So I'll put that article up tonight too. For, so I'm, I'm trying to cater to those who are trying to get to the bottom and really understand this kind of stuff of what's happening. And you've got to read it. You have to read it. And you won't like it because it literally means poverty for the majority of the public across the world for a hundred years, maybe forever. Because it's not just... Food, you understand, and water, and and jobs, etc. It, it's literally it's the fact they don't want you there. They want to bring down your populations drastically. At the last big Rockefeller meeting of the Lucky Jeans Club, he said we want to we've, we've done it through abortion and different techniques. Which, which I guess different techniques are probably poisoning us all, sterilizing us all, which has been awfully successful actually. When you watch some of the Horizon documentaries they made on it, anyway. They also want you to start dying quickly, you see. Because see, they've got big plans for every country. They've got ongoing wars for another 100 years, uh, literally, 100 years of wars, to change society at home as well as to, to grab resources for themselves, the big corporations. Because quickly said it, you know, wars also change the, the participating countries in a social manner. Because governments come into every part of, of society then and, and, and direct uh, how you go and, and culture, etc. 
So you get more done in, uh, you know, five years of war than 50 years of peace. He actually said that too on a social changing level. And as I say, that there's, there's so many, so many articles here. Another one I want to put up tonight too is, um, it's the blueprint for a secure cyber future. It says a cyber security strategy for the Homeland Security Enterprise. And that came out in November 2011. They published it now. And it's got all the different contents there. You can look through it for those who still have the ability to struggle through stuff. Most folk today, unfortunately, youngsters have, very few of them have actually read a book from, from start to end. And that's admitted through, through academia right now. That's what they wanted to bring in too. Such a, a generation, the young generation, are, are really at the mercy of these big boys who will play with them and use them against their own interests. This one here goes into all the different security uh, systems and even how to how to hit back at, at sites they don't like, etc. How to even, uh, if they don't like a person or a host or whatever, they get someone out there, they finance them, or else put their own boy in. And just do campaigns against them and try and discredit them like the, the communists used to do the same kind of thing using the media. So it's the same kind of stuff. So uh, anybody who doesn't go along with whatever they're, they're, they're for, then they're, you're against them and they're going to come against you. So it's quite a, a lot to read through, but it's well worth reading. And they give you a lot of links in it too from Homeland Security. It's a, a must, a must uh, thing to plod through. Also tonight I'm putting up, I mentioned last night about what is a state. A state is something with what they call uh, an official government. Official means that a gang got in at one time, could have been centuries ago, and, and subdued everyone else through violence. That's generally how it's done, where it's a king, queen, or whatever. And I mentioned how the United Nations said eventually in a world of complete disarmament in a peaceful world, there's actually a documentation out on that. That came out back in the 50s, I think. And everyone signed that too. Once you have this so-called peaceful world, every, everyone is to be disarmed except the United Nations Army or any ones they authorize to exist. And they also said in the article too that only the United Nations would have a monopoly on violence. That's what a state is, you see. Whereas king, queen or whatever, they have the monopoly on violence. No one else can use it, only they can use it. And I'll just to, just to verify that, I'll put up a link tonight to a video, and you'll hear Obama admitting that the U.S. government in the U.S. Uh, has the monopoly on violence. No one else is allowed to use violence. You'll hear him saying it himself. So at least he's studied something, or his advisors have taught him something. And top social media websites are caught censoring controversial content. Uh, it says here, uh, Facebook pays low-wage foreign workers to delete certain content based upon censorship list. And it's true, they're actually doing this across the world now. Guys in India are deleting stuff here. Facebook deletes accounts created by Palestinian resistance groups as well. Uh, Dig was caught censoring stories which were controversial or too critical of the government. And you got links to the, art- the articles. Now, even social media site Reddit, which helped launch the anti-SOPA internet blackout and publicized Godaddy's slimy SOPA support, is doing the same thing. Uh, As just one example, posts from this website are being censored by Reddit. Specifically, a friend of the site who submitted stories to Reddit has received the following messages of rejection from a Reddit moderator, as I call these guys that censor you, a moderator named David 
Reese 666. No kidding, that's the number of it. And um, it says, uh, what they say it got back was, Washington's blog is not something we consider a good source for world news. So they're, decide, they're deciding now what's a good source for world news. You see? And and uh, then it says, please submit that story from an alternate domain. Thank you. That's what you get back when, you, when they deny you. And it says, um, why are they censoring? And uh, it says, well, censorship is rampant in America, and social media has grown so big that it has become a target as well. In addition, as I pointed out last year, freeze of reading, we'll skip I, 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 indentation. It says, wired reported on Friday, the Pentagon is looking to build a tool to sniff out social media propaganda campaigns and spit some counterspin right back at it. That's, that's counterintelligence right back at you. On Thursday, Defense Department Extreme Technology Arm DARPA unveiled its Social Media and Strategic Communications program. It's an attempt to get better at both detecting and conducting propaganda campaigns on social media. SMISC has two goals. First, the program needs to help the military better understand what's going on in social media in real time, particularly in areas where troops are deployed. Second, DARPA wants SMISC to help the military play the social media propaganda game itself. Says this is more than just checking the trending topics on Twitter. It says the Defense Department wants to deeply grok social media d- dynamics. So SMISC algorithms will be aimed at discovering and tracking the formation, development, and spread of ideas and concepts, which are the memes. I, I prefer meme, but um, on social media, according to DARPA's announcement. SMISC needs to be able to seek out persuasion campaign structures. Persuasion. You see, and influence operations developing across the social sphere. It's supposed to quickly flag rumors and emerging themes on social media, figure out who's behind it and, and what, like, like an organization. Moreover, DARPA, DARPA wants SMISC to be able to actually figure out whether this is a random product of the hive mind, they call it the hive mind, or a propaganda operation by an adversary nation or group. And it says, of course, SMISC won't be content to just hang back and monitor social media trends in strategic locations. It's about building a better spin machine for Uncle Sam, too. Once SMISC's latches on to an influencing operation being launched, it's supposed to help out in counter-messaging, it says. And, but it's quite a good article. It says here, too, uh, the U.S. government law go announced its intention to fight the net, and I've got the article here as well. It's from the BBC. I'll put that up tonight as well. And this is the, 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 the Pentagon. As revealed by an official Pentagon report signed by Rumsfeld that was years ago, Information Operations Roadmap, it says, the roadmap contains an acknowledgement that information put out as part of the military's psychological operations or PSYOPs is finding its way onto the computer and television screens of ordinary Americans. So even if they put it out against whatever target they're targeting across the world, it always comes back through the media onto your television screen at home. So you get the propaganda as well. Information intended for foreign audiences, including public diplomacy and PSYOPs, is increasingly consumed by our domestic audience, it reads. PSYOPs messages will often be replayed by the news media for much larger audiences, including the American public. And it goes on. It says strategy should be based on the premise that the Department of Defense will fight the net as it would an enemy weapons system. 
indeed the Pentagon publicly announced years ago it was considering using black propaganda, in other words, knowing lies, which they're awfully good at. Uh, CENTCOM announced in 2008 that a team of employees would be engaging bloggers who are posting inaccurate or untrue information, as well as bloggers who are po- uh, posting incomplete information, while well, that's the general media. The Air Force is now also engaging bloggers. Indeed, an Air Force spokesman said, We obviously have many more concerns regarding cyberspace than a typical social media user, Captain Faggard said. I am concerned with how insurgents or potential enemies can use social media to their advantage. It's our role to provide a clear and accurate, completely truthful and transparent picture for any audience. So their version always has to be true, of course. So it says, moreover, the military has outsourced many projects to private contractors. For example, in Iraq, much of the fighting has been outsourced to Blackwater and government intelligence functions have largely been outsourced to private companies. It is therefore not impossible that the government is hiring cheap labour to downvote stories on the social media sites which question the government and to post pro-government comments. So you'll probably start getting that stuff if you're putting stuff out your, on, your, your, on your own uh, and you'll get stuff coming back from people employed in other countries telling you that it's not suitable to get put up onto the net. It's not newsworthy or it's the wrong kind of news and so on. Or maybe it'll even give you t- tips on what to take out of your comments to make it acceptable, and then your mainstream. Also, I want to talk about um, this particular incredible uh, farce that's going on with Lord James of uh, Blackheath, who's come out in Britain a couple of times talking about the big scandals of big, massive money frauds going on between the banks. He should know he worked for the City of London. He also worked for the British uh, um, Intelligence Service during his period working at the city because they were funneling stuff to to supposed uh, terrorist organizations at the time, which admits, and, and uh, I put the links up before where he, he explained all that. But what's happening today is something else. It says, below is one of the strangest stories in financial history, one involving the U.S. government lying about hundreds of thousands of tons of imaginary gold, illegal wire transfers and loans totaling $15 trillion. The video from the House of Lords is amazing in itself, and that will be there too. I'll put this up. What it doesn't express is where the money came from, though Lord James of Blackheath proves conclusively that an effort was made to say it came from a gold reserve in Brunei, Brunei that in fact never existed. At surface, it appears that we have stumbled upon the largest terrorist organization in the world and have found original documents tracing its funding to the Secretary of the Treasury and the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, two of the top financial officers in the U.S. And it's a fact there that they've been moving trillions across the planet under under different guises. A cursory view of terrorism statutes in the U.S. indicate that all transactions we will learn about are, in fact, to be assumed terrorist money laundering, and that the only thing preventing the immediate arrest of hundreds of top officials, financial officials, is their political connections alone. He said we were able to offer an alternative, more insightful, some hard intelligence and some very uh, valuable background that we hope will offer insightful and realistic perspectives on this amazing story. 
On February 16, 2012, Lord James Blackheath, member of Britain's House of Lords, presented evidence of an illegal scheme begun, he has thus discovered, in 2009. His documents include originals signed by Alan Greenspan and Timothy Geithner, show the legal off-the-books transfer by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York of $15 trillion to, initially, the HSBC, Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corporation, London, and then to the Bank of Scotland. It says the Bank of Scotland, which is owned primarily by the British government, under royal charter but restricted from involvement in any such transactions, simply gave the money to 20 European banks to use in a highly profitable scheme of co-trading fresh cuts, MTN's mid-term notes, generating trillions of dollars in profits over three years, none of which is shown on books, none has been taxed or has, been, or has benefited shareholders in those banks. As Blackheath outlines, the deception cover for this transfer is the imaginary seizure of 750,000 tons of gold by agents of an unspoken entity confirmed by the highest official sources as the Bush family and the CIA, the listed source of the money. Well, we'll never really know who all is involved in the scam. The government of Indonesia confirms this to be an utter fabrication and that the individual named had 700 tons of gold, about half of what Gaddafi was holding. By the way, where did all that go? (laughs) Nobody's mentioned that, eh? Not 750,000. It is noted that only 1,500 tons of gold have ever been traded in world history, as stated in the House of Lords. The issues that are initially brought out, issues inconsistent with the International Convention and starting the reader on what is only the surface discovery of two decades of crimes involving dozens of governments are as follows. And then they give you a whole list of this incredible web of deception uh, as big, big, big bucks are, are traded and put out there and moved across the world to other big banks and, and it's just astonishing. But why shouldn't they? Because, you see, there's no laws to stop them. As far as I can tell, they're privately owned central banks. So I guess they can do what they want. Another article is about mass immigration and and how the Labour government tried to destroy what's called Britishness, the whole culture of Britain. I've mentioned this before. This is the latest article on it. And and that that was an actual part of their agenda. And and a lighter-hearted note, depends how you take it, a radio journalist who referred to the German Chancellor as the Tart of Berlin uh, during a live broadcast has resulted in the radio station he works for being fined €25,000. So, back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And and for those like me who have tried to get into websites and you just can't get into, ones that you used to get into, uh, there are good reasons for it because this article goes back to 2006, which says US plans to fight the net revealed. And it's from the BBC. It's a newly declassified document, gives a fascinating glimpse into the US military's plans for information operations from psychological operations to attacks on hostile computer networks. From the BBC. And it says as the world turns uh, network, uh, it says the Pentagon is calculating the military opportun- opportunities that computer networks, wireless technology, as the modern media offer. 
from influencing public opinion through... Uh, do you really like that? You know, shouldn't just give you the straight data. Here's facts, you know, and let you make your own... So you've never, ever in your whole life been allowed to make up your own mind. Believe it or not, that's true. From influencing public opinion through new media to designing computer network attack weapons, the U.S. military is learning to fight an electronic war. Well, that was back, as I say, in 2006, so way, way beyond it now. Way, way beyond it now. This next article, too, it says in, it says in 2012, the trust, this is, this is uh, uh, again, the Carnegie Trust. I've mentioned how it runs Britain and a lot of countries. They're really into social networking uh, and working with schools and so on. It's called Global Rules, Local Rulers. This is the Local Rulers. It's, it's the communitarianism thing. In 2012, the Trust will be leading a new project that examines the interrelationship between UK advocacy groups, citizens, and inter- intergovernmental organizations, that's the IGOs, that regulate trade markets and consumer policy. IGOs, are, as opposed to NGOs, are cross-border private institutions that influence many areas of economic life, from freight standardization to product labeling, bank uh, interlending to environmental protection. And it says government structures in the IGO environment are reserved to nation-state actors, that's private organizations, and often reflect delicate balances of power between different global economic blocks. The role of the citizen-consumer in dialogue with IGOs is predominantly mediated through voluntary sector organizations. But it tells you how a lot of the charities are working towards it. Many UK charities, advocacy groups, research and consumer organizations seek to influence the IGO environment. Some are highly successful and internationally recognized as global civil society leaders. Do you understand that this is all beyond outside of politics? These are the ones that get the jobs really done for social change, all funded by the big powerful uh, foundations with trillions of dollars at disposal. They don't go through politics or parliaments but they get all the influencing done to change everything in life, including how much food will be coming into your ports or how much food is going to go out of your ports, by the way. And they work also with the World Trade Organization and different other organizations. So I'll put that up tonight as well. And um, this article here, too, was to do with the, the, the flu. The, they're bringing up this new flu. It's the, it's the, I think it's the HN3 one they're calling it now. You know, the new improved virus that's out in America now, after they mutated the original one five stages to find out how it would become deadly. Just after that, they've come out and, and said, well, we'll have to get new shots for this new virus. Dutch and American scientists have succeeded in mutating a deadly bird flu virus to make it easily transmissible to humans. If it got out, it could start a fatal epidemic. So I'll put this up tonight and then show you the latest one where they're talking about, oh, we'll have to get an antidote for this one now, a new vaccine for this one. But they created this one in their lab. And, and we're such schmucks at the bottom, aren't we? We really are. We really, really are. Well, from Hamish and uh, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>